Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Have you ever felt like you had to walk on eggshells around someone that you worked with? The truth is, If you want your team to operate effectively, you want to make sure that there is understanding and trust within the team so that you can work effectively together. But unfortunately, our culture does not always have those relationships in the workspace. And because of that, it's easier to not trust each other and to become easily offended. Today, I have two guests who are focused on helping to change this easily offended culture so that there can be more effective teams in the workplace. These two gentlemen are Martin Conway and Jerry Rosenthal. Martin is a former professional soccer player originally from Great Britain. He's a leader, a business builder, and an advocate for personal accountability. He's also a healthcare and self-care leader focused on promoting conversation, understanding, and community. Jerry is the author of Small Doses, Common Sense to Common Practice, which focuses on the intersection of life, leadership, and process improvement. He spent most of his career in pharma and healthcare doing business process improvement work with a focus on improving both internal and external customer experience. Together, Martin and Jerry have started an initiative called the Easily Offended Club, which focuses on educating and empowering people to move beyond simply being offended and towards accountability, courage, and respect. Here are Martin Conway and Jerry Rosenthal. Martin and Jerry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Great to be here. So I like to start off every interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as leaders and give us some insight for our own lives. And so we're going to start off with you, Martin and Jerry. You can follow with your answer as well. But the first question is this. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Hey, Josh, it's Martin. So I think the, for me, it's you control your response. Uh, that's, the, uh, that's the one saying that continues to resonate with me. I learned it several years ago and is one that continues to apply every single day in both my professional and personal life. Yeah, Josh, and, and, and for me, it's something, I, it's some ancient wisdom, something along the lines of the, uh, the quality of your life is directly proportional to the quality of the questions you ask yourself and you ask of others. Uh, you're asking yourself good questions. You're going to uh, manifest good outcomes. The same uh, the things that you would, uh, you would ask of others. Deep, uh, probing questions, uh, I think, are really the key to, uh, to manifesting whatever it is you want to materialize. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is... A person who inspires you to do more a person who is unafraid of being unpopular and a person who holds you accountable. Yeah, I would say from my end, it's, uh, you know, again, go back to uh, a person who has those probing questions to add, get that, uh, that deeper understanding, a person who challenges you to become better than you are today. I think that really is a key element of, of leadership pushing forward. 
And I think something we don't hear enough about is the person, they want more for you than they want from themselves. They, they truly want to develop um, and people to, to excel beyond them. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? It's a great question, Josh. For me, my answer here is what's the number one thing I can do today to help my team improve? Uh, I think what your team needs is going to be situational and different. But I think if we look in the mirror and um, move beyond the politically correct uh, approach, the question that all leaders need to be asking every single day is what's the one thing, the number one thing I can do today to, to help my team improve? Yeah, for me, it's it's a little simpler. It's just the idea of of we. Uh, what is it that we can achieve today? We're still in a world where we hear an awful lot about, I am the leader, this is what I want to do. But the, the leader that goes in and says, what is it that we can achieve today? How do we do this together? How do we all move forward together? That's really where success comes from. What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? For me personally, it's Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life, uh, An Antidote to Chaos. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart. It's very enjoyable and challenging. And although I finished it about five or six weeks ago, I continue to reflect and different aspects and portions of this book continue to resonate and challenge me each day. Yeah, Josh, for me, it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a book I read about two years ago, uh, but still reflect on it pretty regularly. It's uh, Chris Voss's book, Never Split the Difference. Um, he's a former FBI uh, hostage negotiator that has, has helped turn those into leadership skills and things we can do in the, you know, in the, in the leadership realm that uh, it really has, uh, has tipped the scales for me. Great, great book. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week that could help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? I love this. Uh, here's what I would ask everybody to do, Josh, is help someone you don't know for no other reason than the fact that you can. So for example, give someone a compliment, pay for the coffee for the guy behind you in the line, share a positive story about a colleague, a friend, a family member, let somebody merge into traffic in front of you without being difficult because you're in a rush. So uh, essentially, leadership should not be limited to those things which immediately, you know, line your pockets. So do something for no other reason than you can. Yeah, for me, along those same lines, I would say you know, give of yourself when you can. We're all busy. I, I hate the word busy, but we all have constraints. We're all getting pulled in different directions. You know, give of yourself when you can, even if it's just time to listen, not to respond, but just to be there. Sometimes people just want that that ear and just make that time when you can and give it to uh, to whoever you can, you know, based on whatever you have available. I, I think that's um, uh, that's a big thing that I would love to see more of. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? 100% the answer to this one for me, Josh, is why not? It's more, to me, it's a bit more challenging. It's a bit more provocative. And in a world of conformity and in the lines of what we're going to discuss here in a few minutes, uh, why not to me is a bit more of a challenge to the status quo. So uh, both can be very good, obviously. But to me, the answer here is why not? And this is why Martin and I make such a good pair. I'm at the opposite end of the scale. So we kind of balance each other out. I'm going to go with why, or more specifically in the space of, of tell me why. I, I like that area of asking questions and in getting people to articulate their position. And sometimes it helps clarify things for them where they come to a realization, yeah, I'm in a good space, or you know what, I, I really don't have what I need to understand why I am where I am. And it forces them to to change their perspective on something. So the why or tell me why or tell me more uh, is the side that I'm going to side on. 
Well, I love those answers. And Jerry, as you mentioned, we have this quality pair of individuals who have teamed up. And today we're talking about this new initiative that both of you started called the Easily Offended Club. Jerry, could you share with us a little bit about this? And Martin, if you want to add some thoughts along the way, feel free to do that as well. But tell us about the Easily Offended Club, what it is and why you started it in the first place. Great question. Um, And I'll, I'll give a little background, a little bit of history. So Martin and I worked together years ago, and there was a uh, a conference where I spoke about customer experience, and Martin was in the audience. And after my presentation, Martin came up to me. Again, we'd been for, with the same organization for many years, didn't know each other, and Martin introduced himself. We had a conversation, and we decided, you know what, Let, let's keep in touch. There's something here. Based on the questions and the, and the quick conversation that Martin and I had, we, we thought there was something there, and we decided to pursue that. And so over the course of time, Martin and I just started having some some conversations. We had some discussions about, you know, maybe do we want to write a white paper together, maybe uh, some thought pieces. And then I think both of us around the same time, we came across an interesting article independently that uh, just struck us both uh, in an interesting way. And I believe it was last summer, um, Martin and I were continuing with our dialogue, and Martin gets the credit. He coined the phrase, easily offended club. It was uh, just the idea of we we live in a society where perhaps people are uh, are just hypersensitive uh, to something or are just looking for something to be offended about. And, And Martin and I just found it very interesting and thought, well, let's talk about this a little bit and let's see. And we, through a series of conversations, we came up with just a variety of different dimensions is what we like to call them, of being offended, different reasons why, different aspects, different attributes. And so uh, something was born and we decided to put something together and, and we launched at the beginning of this year. And Martin, what has that looked like for you so far? You have introduced me to the Easily Offended Club, and I've seen some of the things you've written. What does it look like, and and how are you getting this message out to others? Thanks, Josh. I think uh, what it looks like is really um, it's bringing awareness around this word of offended and the various permutations and how it manifests and impacts every one of us. And I think what it looks like for Jerry and I is that we have collaborated on a series of articles, primarily on LinkedIn. Um, It's obviously a very professional um, medium and, and website. Um, but we felt that in our professional world, this, this dynamic of offended or feeling offended or what's offensive, uh, it, it, it tends to people hear that word or a, a derivative of that word, and then they shy away from it. They kind of run for the hills. And we felt that that's kind of, that kind of misses the point. You know, obviously no one is talking about discrimination against anybody, uh, you know, uh, sex, gender, religious background, or what any, any aspect of that, but the word offended gets thrown out and then people kind of run for the hills. So our approach was let's, let's tell stories. Uh, let's tell stories about, from our professional background, obviously, we, we change names and, and a couple of details here and there to maintain the privacy of the people involved. But let's tell stories about how this can manifest in different ways. And it's always with a lens of what we, we the leader, can do and what we have done and what we would do differently upon reflection. Um, and much of this, obviously, is rooted in fear. So we tried to bring this to life through LinkedIn with, with real stories from a professional lens. We lean heavily on our own individual ownership of this, and we encourage everybody else to first look in the mirror instead of just quickly reacting to, you know, throwing out a word, offended, offensive. Like, let's look in the mirror. How are we responding to that? What's our responsibility here? What can we do as leaders to help bring people together 
um, because I find that society is very fractured. Um, what could we do to help start a conversation, help understanding, help people understand their different perspectives and different backgrounds and start to build community, uh, a community of people who want to engage here because the, this, this transcends industry and it, it transcends different countries. We just need, I felt and we felt passionate that we needed to do a bit more to contribute and help bring people together in the professional space. So that's kind of where it came from. And that's, that's kind of how it's working out so far for us. And Martin, what has the response been? I know sometimes people can put things out on LinkedIn and it gets blasted everywhere. Sometimes not. Sometimes you get really positive feedback. Sometimes you don't. What have people been saying in response to the pieces of information that you have been putting out so far related to this idea of of dealing with how to respond to offense and things that people may or may not find offensive in the workplace? Great question. It's been mixed. I'm going to be honest uh, with you, Josh. Obviously, it's been very, very mixed. Some people are all over this. You know, they, they like it. They engage. They send public feedback. Really enjoy the article. Keep it coming. There are others who are a bit more discreet. They'll send private notes behind, you know, behind closed doors with a private messaging approach. Um, and they will share comments similar. You know, I really like your article. Love this. Or some people will will say, I don't know that I really like what you're doing. This isn't the right platform for the context. So it, it's been, uh, I would say, mostly positive. Um, but there has been some mixed feedback in there as we start to delve and dip our toe into this water. Um, but again, uh, going back to the comments from earlier, we can choose to take that personally and, and be offended by it and be paralyzed by it or embrace the feedback, take the feedback, and then incorporate it as we can while also being authentic and staying within the guardrails that Jerry and I have. That The intent here is not to upset people, but it is to kind of it pierce that comfort zone a tiny bit to realize that, you know, if you start to feel yourself getting a bit uptight or uncomfortable with something, there's a feeling there that there's something there that's, that maybe you could learn. There's, there's a lesson in there somewhere and we're trying to get folks just to embrace their role in that. Um, so the feedback has been mixed so far, mostly positive, but that's to be expected. And I think Jerry and I are uh, big enough and adult enough to accept that and continue to adapt and move forward while also maintaining our authenticity and our intent in what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And anytime you put something new, especially on a topic that can be somewhat contentious, anytime you put something new out to the world, you have to be prepared for whatever comes your way. But it, it is encouraging, whether it's public or private, to hear those positive affirmations. Now, Jerry, I have a question for you. Earlier, you talked about dimensions of being offended. Are there a particular set of dimensions that you're focusing on? Or is this just a general idea that you're you're plumbing the depths of offense and looking at it from different perspectives? Yeah, that's a that's a great way of articulating it. So we didn't start this this journey with any predefined dimensions or aspects. So certainly when when Martin and I started to uh, develop and the topic evolved, there were a half a dozen different uh, ideas uh, that came to mind. And so some of them, the idea of things like perception, right? How somebody couldn't can look at something and be completely comfortable with it. And you have that the next person can look at that exact same thing and be completely offended. So the idea that that you know, one person has a perception, somebody else is going to have a different perception. The idea of prevalence. How often does this really happen? Is it, are these isolated incidents or are these things that happen to people every single day? The idea of fear as a driving factor. Got a lot of feedback on that one, and we've written a couple of articles uh, on the dimension of, of fear. Um, vulnerability. So certainly we're not uh, I, I wouldn't say we're experts in vulnerability, but we've taken a lead from someone like a, a Brene Brown, who's written a lot in the space of vulnerability 
What does it mean to be vulnerable? And when you are vulnerable, that opens your, yourself up to uh, offending somebody. And so, you know, Martin and I, as we work together week after week, uh, the articles we read online, in the news, the conversations we have, the stories we exchange with each other, we continue to come up with, with again, different dimensions, different stories. Again, it's, I, I think Martin articulated it uh, very well, authentic and stories. And we think if we, if we share some of our stories and we encourage our readers to share their experiences and stories and certainly protect the innocent or the guilty, however you wish to, to label them, you'll come up with more and more of these different aspects and different dimensions and be able to recognize when something is impacting you in the moment. So I'd love to hear from each of you. And Jerry, we can start with you since you just brought up this idea of stories. Could you share with us a, a moment that kind of epitomizes when you realize that this is an important topic to discuss? Some, some experience or episode from your career where this idea of offense really came into play in an important way. Yeah, I'll say the big, a big aha moment for me was, you know, was, uh, was years ago uh, in a in a meeting, uh, things got got very heated, got very uh, intense, if you will. There was some some yelling and screaming uh, almost between a couple of people, and I tried to do my part to diffuse the situation. Uh, you know, I'll use a phrase that Martin likes to use: positive intent. And I tried to be just a little bit vulnerable and say, "Hey, listen, guys, I made a mistake like this years ago." I knee-jerk reacted to something. It didn't play out well. You know, I just wanted to share and be vulnerable, and um, it really backfired on me and uh, wound up offending somebody, taking my lumps, but then taking some time afterwards to reflect on what was it that just happened? Was it my ego that gave me a blind spot? Uh, was I lacking in some area of emotional intelligence? Um, what could I have done differently? But the idea, my, my intention wasn't to offend. My intention was to bring cooler heads to the session and let everybody leave for the day in a peaceful state. Um, and I'm not quite sure if what I did just added uh, fuel to the fire um, instead of just leaving it be. And, and that, that's something that has really impacted me for for many years in being able to look at it and say, you know what, even though my intention was to, to do A, what came out was B, and how could I do things differently? And if perhaps in the world there are people that just look for an opportunity to be offended, how do you better handle those situations when there's nothing you can, you can do? It's simply the choice that they've made that that's the way they want to live their life. So that was uh, kind of that aha moment for me years ago that just kind of stuck with me in, in the way I've operated to this day. For me, Josh, I, uh, there's been, uh, I'm kind of a slow learner sometimes. My wife tells me that often. I've had numerous stories throughout my personal and professional life where the same theme, being offended, somebody has been offended by something I have done or said, or I have felt offended or said I was offended by something that somebody said or did. Um, so it's been a, it's been a constant for me that's always somewhat frustrated me about how do you, how do I be authentically me uh, in a way that I'm not intentionally or recklessly trying to provoke somebody. 
And I think in a world where we're trying to see and hear everybody, and quite rightly so, this is challenging different groups of people. So for me, this is one that's gone on for a long time about be authentically you, but don't upset people. But at the same time, you don't want to be a shadow of yourself and be a chameleon and just be somebody else when I'm in group A and somebody else when I'm in, interacting with group B. So a story from the last couple of years, uh, uh, which illustrates my difficulty around this is the following. I had a, a new team I picked up. And I'll be vague here with names, obviously, but I picked up a new team. And as part of the get to know you exercise, somebody on the team of 10 suggested that we conduct a spirit animal exercise where we all, you know, go and go, go away and come back next week and share what sort of spirit animal we would be. Nobody on the phone call disagreed. Nobody thought it was a bad idea. Sounds good. 24 hours later, a person on the team sent uh, an email saying that she was offended by the suggestion that we conduct this exercise. Uh, she doesn't believe in, in her words, quote unquote, voodoo uh, like that. And she doesn't feel that it's the best way for us to learn about each other as a team. So as, I'm, as the leader of the team at that time, I'm placed in a situation, I don't really know these folks, and how do I handle it? So that to me was a, a pretty recent example within the last 18 to 12 months of, okay, here's somebody who was offended. She decided to verbalize that feeling, which she has. she's absolutely entitled to feel how she feels. What do I do as the leader to meet her where she is? What do I do for the other nine or 10 folks on this team who wanted to conduct the exercise apparently? Uh, and then how do you lead through that um, and be authentic, but be open to everybody while also respecting the beliefs and the perspectives of others where some people are going to be very passionate about things like spirit animals. Some people aren't even going to give it a second's thought. They did the exercise in five seconds and moved on to the next thing. And some will do it 10 minutes before the call next week. But this lady impacted um, profoundly and that's okay. But how do you lead through that? So that was a, that's a pretty recent manifestation of this whole offended situation. And how do I as a leader lead through it uh, and, and the various challenges that it throws up? And Martin, going beyond that one instance, thinking more broadly, how do we as leaders handle this this culture where people do seem to get more easily offended than they perhaps did in the past? How, how do we either create a culture where people get offended less easily or create a culture where it's handled well? I think those are two monumental questions, Josh. And uh, I listened to a recent podcast you do with Mr. Rath, and he talked about allowing people to have a better experience at work. And I think that is key to what we're trying to achieve. So for me personally, my first look is always in the mirror. I think we or I need to always assume positive intent. People are going to come to work or come to work professional situations with a unique set of experiences with a unique background and those need and must be respected and honored. Uh, at the same time, we then have a job to do. We're in a place of work. We have outcomes and customers that we're trying to, outcomes we're trying to achieve, customers we're trying to serve. And that has to be our true north, uh, addressing that uh, particular objective within all moral and legal boundaries to the best of our ability. And I think the, the culture of assuming positive intent, acknowledging people's backgrounds, and spending time with each other and kind of breaking bread. I'm a break bread type of guy. And I think that often what I have learned in the last several months, and this I think speaks to your question, is that when we spend time with people, we get to better understand them. And when we better understand them, there's a bit less tension. And when there's a bit less tension, there seems to be a bit more trust. And when there's a bit more trust, we're a bit more free to be who we are and not be worried that we're going to inadvertently step on somebody's toes or, or offend them. So to me, it's as a leader, we assume positive intent. 
you try and be as open and as respectful as you possibly can as a leader, bring people into the conversation. If you've got some folks who maybe tend to withdraw or they're quiet as a leader, it's incumbent on us to pull those folks into the conversation. Hey, Sam, I'm not hearing some, too much feedback from you today. Is everything okay? Do you have something to share here? Uh, I think things like that it can help bring groups of different people closer together. And the closer we are, the more time we spend, the more trust we have. I think that makes for a more cohesive groups of people more trusting and then from there we have more cohesive and more trusting organizations which can hopefully lead to a bit less of the the fractured nature and some of the dramas that seem to occur on a pretty frequent basis jerry how about you do you have anything to add to what martin said especially i like martin's idea of assuming positive intent looking in the mirror making sure that people are cared for what are some other things that leaders can be thinking about that maybe creates a more open and caring and trusting environment and can handle things that might be offensive better? It's my experience that you get to a place where leaders are not setting expectations as clearly as they could at at the onset of an engagement. So I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, a leader can't go in to a new team and say something along the lines of, we're going to build a new culture and we're going to trust everybody. That's just not something that by edict you can uh, you can influence. It's something that's built over time. And there's a variety of ways of, of doing that. So imagine a new leader coming into a new team. I think it's it's vitally important to set expectations and tone right away. And this happens to be one of those areas. And so a leader could come in and say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to get to know each other. There's going to be bumps in the road. We are going to offend each other. But you know what? We want to create a safe zone where, you know, if we do offend somebody, let's call it out in the moment and let's deal with it. There's a knee-jerk reaction in our society, in, in the corporate environments today, to run immediately to human resources or to run to legal and file a complaint and make things much more difficult. I think it's incumbent upon leadership to set the tone, set that stage at the beginning to say, guys, it's going to take us time to really get to know each other well, to work well together. You know, to build on on Martin's point and, and my background, a lot of my work is in process improvement. And, and process improvement is based on data. What does the data show? And every interaction you have with a person as you get to know them, it's another data point. So if I've had two or three interactions with Martin versus 20 or 30 or 40, I'm certainly get to know him better and what pushes his buttons and where I can go, where I can't go. Can I ask him about his family? Can I ask about kids? Can I ask about his choice of a spirit animal? Those are things you might not be able to tell with one or two or three engagements, but hopefully after 20, 30, 40 engagements, I'm going to get to know Martin a little bit better and know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And so I think that's a big key is getting to know your team, getting to know your people, investing time versus spending time. I, I, I like to use the word investing time in getting to know people because it, it pays off in the future. But it's also understanding what those boundaries are and creating that space to say, guys, if we say or do something that makes somebody uncomfortable, Let's deal with it sooner rather than later 
and not just escalate up the chain, which just causes more more issues for everyone al- along the journey. And Jerry, another question that is deviating from this topic a little bit is related to customer experience. I'm guessing that a lot of leaders who are listening to this podcast realize the importance of having a strong team, having a strong internal organization. At the same time, people say, okay, so how does this actually affect the bottom line? How does it affect my business? What would you say is the intersection between the easily offended club and customer experience? Yeah. So a couple of things come to mind. So when I think of customer experience, and we'll take healthcare as, as an example, because I've done a lot of work in healthcare, you've got what you would call your internal and your external customers. Your external customers are pretty obvious. It would be patients. It would be doctors. It would be all those those people who provide uh, healthcare services to to patients. Um, the internal side would be what we call, uh, you know, that next department. If somebody's working on a program, the next department might be, you know, what we need to have legal review it, or we need to have a regulatory group review it, or we need to have a leader review it. It's whatever that next step in the process is. So that's that's part one. Uh, the other part, to, to touch on your question a little bit, is you know understanding what we'd call the voice of the customer. We could develop in healthcare uh, an amazing product, an amazing service, an amazing drug, whatever it might be, but if it's not meeting the needs, wants, desires of what the, the customer being the patient or the doctor, you have a mismatch. And you certainly run the, the risk of offending when you don't understand the needs of the customer, you present them with a, you know, what I call is a solution looking for a problem. What's the problem you're trying to solve? And so when you have that mismatch, you have that opportunity to offend because you haven't taken the time to listen. You haven't taken the time to really understand what is the need, what's the unmet need, and how can we best provide that? What it comes across is me trying to force something down your throat that doesn't quite fit. And there is an opportunity there to offend, again, whether it's internal or external, and you wind up with something that doesn't work, and it winds up causing more churn and and more problems and not really meeting the need of the customer. So for me, that's that match of, you know, that customer experience, both internal and external, but also the voice of the customer. What is the problem? What is the unmet need? And what can we as as a healthcare company perhaps do to meet that need? Now, Martin, as we come down to the end of our time together, one of the things that I would be curious to hear from you is what is the the end goal of this initiative that you have going on right now? What would you like to see as a result of all that you're doing with the Easily Offended Club? Great question. I think there's two things I would like. Number one, I would like to help serve the broader professional community in being aware of and being prepared for and being able to deal and handle situations such as those that Jerry and I have spoken about today and that we discuss in our articles. I would love folks to be able to learn from our experiences, our mistakes, and be able to apply it in their place of work to reduce the the stress, the anxiety, or the isolation that occurs in workplaces. And so ultimately what I would want is uh, short term is for people to be happy at work, to be open at work, and for the work environments to be positive 
and open and for people to be able to handle these situations and lead through these situations when they occur instead of ducking, looking at the floor and hoping the meeting ends immediately. That's the first thing. And secondly, I have aspirations for Jerry and I to to do some work and some training long term on how organizations can better handle this and train people. This is not specific to healthcare or insurance or finance. This is an issue that transcends the world. And with the demographic and the market shifts, we are going to continue to be working with people from different backgrounds who view things differently. Lots of remote work is going to occur. This trend of workplaces looking and feeling very different is not going to change. So the important of coming from a place of understanding, assuming positive intent, and being aware in the moment of how to handle these situations, diffuse them, acknowledge them, own it when you make mistakes or something happens on your team as a leader, you have to own it, we step in, we fix it, and then we learn from those experiences to make sure that, again, we're working in an environment as positive and as open and as authentic as possible where people can know that they are seen, that they are heard, they are respected, and we will not always agree with each other, but we have a common platform that we use um, where we are open and respect each other. So short term, want people to be able to learn from our articles and apply at work and share it with other people through the, the community that we're building. And long term, uh, I would love to do some work along that space to help uh, help teach professionals across the US and beyond about our experiences and how they can handle these situations in the moment. Jerry, is there anything that you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I'll, I'll just say, you know, I, I have a dream where, leaders and organizations, pe- people just communicate with each other much more effectively. I'm, I'm a firm believer that nearly every challenge, whether it's in your personal life or in the workplace uh, or in politics, it, it simply comes down to effective communication. And we live in a world now where people really don't listen. Uh, they're thinking about what their response is going to be. We also live in a world now where people don't talk to their neighbors. They just don't want to get involved. We live in a world where uh, there's more and more people working remotely, so you don't have that direct, regular, face-to-face interaction. So I, I fear at times we're trending in the wrong direction, but it's my vision that some of the work that Martin and I are doing um, with the Easily Offended Club, it's, it's going to help improve communication, and people are going to find different more effective ways of communicating with those that they love and those that they work with uh, to be better people and to be better leaders. And then certainly uh, along those lines, yeah, opportunity uh, to teach, to share, um, love stories. You know, I'll be quite honest, Martin is a better storyteller than uh, than I am. I continue to work on it. But us, uh, you know, getting people, inviting people to join the Easily Offended Club for the purpose of sharing their stories. You know, when you when you read a story and you see yourself in that story, or you you can just, it resonates with you. You can see how that something could happen to you down the road. I think that really connects with people. When somebody can say, yeah, I get that. That's happened to me. I am not alone. I think that's very eye-opening for anybody in, in this space or any other space, just as leading a more fulfilling life. So I think the combination of, of Martin's, uh, what he's articulated, and, and my vision is where we want to go years down the road. Well, Martin, if people have connected with this idea of the Easily Offended Club and have enjoyed your message today, where can people go to follow what you and Jerry are doing? 
Thanks, Josh. People can find Jerry and I predominantly on LinkedIn, uh, Martin Conway on LinkedIn, and then Jerry Rosenthal on LinkedIn. They can find us there where we post regular content and, and articles on a weekly basis. So that's where they can find us currently and more news to follow. I'm sure there'll be some other platforms as we as we move forward here, but that's where they can find us currently. And we invite folks to join us, follow us, and contribute and share. Um, if you've got stuff to, to add and to contribute to the conversation, and encourage everybody who has something to share to feel free to jump in and we can learn from each other. And your LinkedIn pages will be in the show notes below. Martin and Jerry, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Josh. Thank you, Josh. It's been outstanding. So there you go, the Easily Offended Club. Be sure to check the show notes below or at lifeasleadership.com slash 071 if you'd like to follow Martin and Jerry and see what they've written so far for the Easily Offended Club. Now, here are today's three key takeaways. First of all, it's important to assume positive intent. And this is an attitude that I hope your whole team has. And certainly over time, you can instill this attitude. But certainly as a leader, assume positive intent so that you don't become unnecessarily offended. Second of all, time spent with your team leads to understanding, which reduces tension, which increases trust, which creates a feeling of freedom to be ourselves. This is something that you want on your team. So spend time with your team so that your whole team understands the others better so that there will be reduced tension, more trust, and a feeling of freedom for each person to be him or herself. And finally, set clear expectations from the beginning of your leadership. If you're coming into a new scenario, go ahead and set the expectations up front. If you've been leading your team for a while, sit down with your team, set some expectations, make sure that everyone's on the same page, but set clear expectations and acknowledge the need for honesty on your team. This is something that may need to develop over time, but it's very important to set those clear expectations as soon as you can. Now, be sure to come back for our second episode later this week because we have a CEO who leads one of the oldest businesses in the United States, which dates back to the 19th century. And he has a very unique story and unique message that centers around this idea. When you as a leader lose your voice, how can you help others gain theirs? You're going to get some insight from his own life that I don't think you're going to get anywhere else. I think it will be time well spent for you, and I look forward to sharing his message with you later this week. I hope to see you then, and until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, 
It's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon, and until then, keep living and leading wealth.